Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I am your host, as always, Jared Watch, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. It's cold. Real cold. Frigid, you might say. Frigid in these streets. Warm in these sheets. I don't know what I'm going with that. That's not bad. Uh, That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Um, yeah, speaking of uh, making sense, making Dolores, uh, I don't know, I'm going with this transition. Anyways, uh, we're going to be talking about our game of the year this week. Finally, it's the first couple of days of February, but we're getting to our game of the year. Um, kind of decided to shift it in favor of our uh, PlayStation and Xbox state of uh, podcast that we covered the last couple of weeks. And funny enough, next week when we get back to the regular news stuff, we'll have an update for both Xbox and PlayStation regarding some of those games we talked about, which is fun. Uh, other than that, though, we're going to be covering Game of the Year. And this one's weird, Dom, because typically what happens is you, I write down my list, you submit me your list, and then we go to go through and I, you know, number one gets 10 points, number 10 gets one point, everything in there is kind of self-explanatory, and then we devise a list of at least, the, you know, the top five games of the year for us. It's going to be a little different this year because we only have two of the same games on our lists. Um, and I wonder which two those are. Yeah, and we'll get to them. Uh, they're both in our one and two spots. Yeah. I'm not going to reveal if they're both in the same spot or not. <laughs> but the thing is, is that with those, with those two being the only ones and being in the same positions in terms of both those games are either one or two on both of our lists, um, the rest of it would have been kind of pointless because it's like, well, both of us put this game at three, so therefore they're tied at this. And both of these games came in at number four, so they're tied at this. So we're not going to really do like a top 10 list like that. I figured the way we do it is we go back and forth on our top 10 list. I'll talk about my number 10. You talk about your number 10. And I think this might be the year with the least amount of crossover between us, which is very interesting. Because um, going over both of our lists, I also think this is the first year, a little bit of a spoiler alert, that we both have a mobile game on our top 10, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some of us may have multiple. Uh, mobile games but uh yeah it's very it's very interesting list um funny enough there are a couple of games on your list that i own that i just didn't get to in 2022 um but we'll get to that when we get to that um what else was i gonna say oh god of war uh ragnarok spoiler cast we've already filmed it uh, it's just in the editing process so i'm hoping to get that out um between when this podcast goes out on sunday or monday and then when we record the next one um, so look forward to that. Pretty exciting stuff. I think we have for like an hour and a half, right, Dom, with Chris talking about all of the story related stuff in terms of the narrative of God of War Ragnarok, the character arcs, what we enjoyed, how the two games connect, where does God of War go from here, a bunch of neat topics, talking about our own personal experiences with the storytelling. Obviously, Chris is a father of multiple kids. Um, both of us are at different points in our life. Like there's a lot of stuff going on there and, uh, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Um, Complete spoiler filled. I was going to say spoiler free because I'm used to saying that type of stuff. But no, spoiler filled from top to bottom. Um, yeah, so look forward to that. Let's get into our game of the year list. Dom, wait no further. We're going to be starting at number 10. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I have your list, by the way. I can tell you which, what's number 10 on your list if you want to pull it up. Uh, no, it's all right. You go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not getting it pulled up. Okay. Coming in at number 10 for me is a game that I feel got kind of snubbed at the Game Awards this year, and that's Tinykin. Tinykin is a dope game where you play, 
you know, at first it seems like you're this kid that got shrunken down kind of honey, I shrunk the kid style. Um similar to grounded, uh, but it isn't. It's um you are an alien species that comes back to Earth question mark. Some of it's a little unclear, but basically it's like a collectathon style game where you're working with a bunch of alien species around this giant house to collect it's it's very much Pikmin meets classic 3D platformers in that way, where you're collecting these little alien guys, and when you have a certain amount of them, they allow you to do um, different mechanics in the game. So one species, they add up to let you build kind of ramps to go up ledges that you can't really reach. Some of them allow you to use zip lines. Some of them allow you to surf on the water. They all have different uh, mechanics attached to them, and as the game progresses, you... Um, get introduced different colors it's really fun the game isn't like doing anything innovative by any means but it's cool to see the pikmin formula in a package that uh suits me more i've never really jumped into the pikmin but i like the idea of finding these little creatures and using them as you at your disposal um the art style is really fun it looks like a saturday morning cartoon so that was an easy buy-in for me and there's neat little mysteries that you uncover um, there's even like a secret ending to the game that gives you some more details as to what happened in this house, why are there alien species here, what exactly went on with the family, all of that good stuff. I really appreciated Tinykin. Like I said, I felt it got snubbed. It's available on a bunch of platforms. Definitely worth a play. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick, my honorable mentions, I didn't make my top 10, so I'm not going to talk about them a whole lot. MLB The Show 2022 continues to be the best sports simulation franchise can't wait for 2023 to come out in the next couple of months into Game Pass, which is still wild that that game launches into Xbox Game Pass as a first-party PlayStation Studios game, which is cool. Um, Grounded, which I mentioned when talking about Tinykin. Um, that one, I it didn't make my top 10 because it wasn't the first time I played it this year, Dom. Obviously, it released into 1.0 like its official release, mm. but I've already played it for a couple of years at this point. Not, not to say it's bad by any means. It's still a fun, good game, survival game, but you know, I think I've tempered on it because I've played it for two years. So the official 1.0 release wasn't that for me, you know, so it is yeah. what it is. Um, this is a bit of a spoiler, but Pokemon Legends Arceus didn't make my list because a different Pokemon game made my list. Uh, it's funny to forget about the fact that that game came out in 2022 alongside yeah. the other mainline Pokemon game. And it served as a beta test because a lot of the mechanics in that game ended up showing up in uh, Scarlet and Violet. Really fun. Um, it would have been in my top 10 if the other Pokemon game didn't come out, but I couldn't justify putting both of them in there because they offer very... They're different in a lot of ways, but the core mechanics of the game are very similar, and I think Violet just does a lot of the stuff Arceus introduced in a lot better uh, fashion. Uh, next up, this is one that might have made my top 10 if I got around to the DLC, which I'm hoping to get to at some point this year, and that's Escape Academy. It's the first mm -hmm. game I've ever played that obviously... Uh, did puzzles in an escape room fashion. I've actually never even done any escape rooms in real life. Um, I don't have the benefit of necessarily living near areas where that's a common practice. Um, it's not like, oh, there's a new escape uh, escape room this weekend. Go check it out. Um, also, uh, the last two years being COVID, it's not like you necessarily want to go into public spaces with a group of people, whether you know them or not, and spend time in a you know six by six room with them. Um, but yeah, Escape Academy is fun if you love puzzle games, if you love the idea of escape rooms or you love escape rooms period, like you've had the opportunity to do them. I think it's really fun the way they design it. 
I love anytime they take a concept like that and put it into a, um, for lack of controversy, Harry Potter or, uh, you know, a different scenario where you're like, you're in a school setting and you have to prove yourself to be the best at it. I think it's really fun. And the way the game kind of twists on itself of like, you're working to be an escape artist, but then that kind of feeds back into what's actually going on at this escape academy. Um, very portal in the way its story comes together at the end with AI and stuff, which is really cool. And then lastly, um, I'm honestly surprised when I was putting together my top 10 list that this didn't make it. And that's Cult of the Lamb. Um, oh, the yeah. more I sat and thought about it, yeah, it just didn't make my top 10. Not for it, any lack of quality. I just, if I'm being honest with myself, I didn't commit to it enough in terms of the dungeon crawling aspect. A lot of my time in that game was the city simulation. Um, and I did end up getting to, I would say, probably five-eighths through the, the, the story. But I didn't fully commit in a way I think if I maybe reached the conclusion of that game, it would have maybe resonated with me more by the time the year ended. So, and unfortunately, Cult of Lime didn't make it either. Um, let me know, what's your, uh, what are your honorable mentions if you have any? And then obviously your top ten, your number ten. <laughs> I don't even have any honorable mentions. So this top 10 list is actually um, all-inclusive, I guess. The best way to put it. Um, the 10 games I played ranked. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as as usual, I did not a great job of, um, you know, playing games that came out, in, you know, in the same year. Um, and instead of spending a lot of time on some older games. Um, There's but, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It was intentional. There's like, you know, I do have a list of uh, some older things I, I w always wanted to get around to. That's why I ended up playing Knights of the Old Republic this year, um, which was substantial too. Um, but nonetheless, the 10th game on this list um, <clears throat> is, I don't know, kind of a surprise to me, but it, I'm gonna, I went with Diablo Immortal, which I have You forgotten. have a mobile phone, don't you? <laughs> yeah, don't you guys have phones? Um <laughs> Which I, I kind of had forgotten that that actually came out this year, um, and I did spend a good a, a good chunk of time with it. Um, I, I didn't even like finish through you know everything single player that there was to offer, and I and I know that there were um, a lot of issues people had with microtransactions um, in the game and things like that of what you know the the overall cost of what it took to max out your character, different things like that. Um, and I'm not going to try to say that yeah those issues don't exist or it's okay or anything like that, but what I can say is that I was remarkably pleased with how the gameplay felt, especially being on touch screen phone that I've never actually even, I, I think I must've played like the Diablo three demo back in the 360 or something like that, maybe, but otherwise um, that's the extent of my Diablo experience. So I'm not super familiar with the, the genre really, let, you know, the play style or anything. So this was kind of a, a shot in the dark and i actually really enjoyed how the game felt like how it felt to move around and um and shoot and everything uh it, it just they, they did a really great job translating the controls and how it felt onto uh, onto mobile it didn't feel cheap or anything like that like a lot of mobile games have so it's a it's a good bit of fun it's unfortunate that uh it you know i had the monetization issues it did and things like that because like they really had something there gameplay wise um it didn't stick i think there was like a month where you know i messed around with it um a bunch but after that i kind of kind of lost track so yeah i, I thought it was uh, a good i'm glad i 
spent the time with it and I'm glad it, you know, made the list and everything like that. So Diablo Immortal, who would have thought? Who would have thought? I'm hoping, you know, Diablo 4 ends up on my list by the end of the year. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully that game's as good as the hype has it leading us to believe it is. Number nine on my list, Pokemon Violet. I mean, I've talked about this game extensively on the podcast before, so I don't think I need to go into it too much. Everyone listening knows how much I love Pokemon as a franchise. Um, I've talked about how they implemented the Arceus mechanics. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, I just love the scope of this game. Obviously, people are going to complain about the performance. I'm one of the rare cases where, like, I don't go to my Nintendo Switch to play stuff for good performance. I mean, I don't really go to anything to play for good performance, if I'm being honest. I'm not the type of person. Like, I want it to function for sure, but I'm not going to sit there and point out, well, that looks like it's it's hitting 55 frames and not 60 frames. Like, I'm just not yeah. that type of person. Um, Obviously, it's way more drastic in terms of Pokemon. Like, it hits 15 frames at some points. Um, but yeah, it, it, that never took away from the experience. Do I want it to run better? Sure. Do I want it to have less bugs? I never experienced any bugs outside of hard crashes, which happened very infrequently for me. Um, the performance stuff is what I hope, just because it lends more to the immersion of the world, which is what I'm looking for. But it never took away from the overall experience. At this point, I'm just waiting for them to implement the Pokemon Home integration so I can bring over all of the Pokemon I already own to fill out the Pokedex. Because having that living Pokedex I do have... I kind of feel less incentivized to go and catch all the Pokemon in the game that I already own, Dom, to fill out the Pokedex. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of lazy in that way. I'm like, I already got all these guys. I'm just going to wait for Pokemon Home integration so I can bring them on over. And that's my one biggest complaint. It's not even towards Pokemon Violet. It's towards the Pokemon company with their new releases. It's 2023. There is no reason why, and I know why, and I'll get to it, why the Pokemon Home integration shouldn't be available day one. Like, there's no reason it shouldn't be. I shouldn't be able to load up that game and then bring in my Pokedex. They don't want you to, though, because they want to have the, the, the lead on and build up of people tweeting and talking about filling out their Pokedex and all of this stuff. I, I understand that, but there's a difference between what is it going to be? That game came out in November, so we're already looking at three months. Like, it should be out by now. Mm-hmm. The rumors are it's not going to be here till March or even April. That's ridiculous. Um, obviously, it doesn't affect me too much because I have plenty of games to play, but it is a little ridiculous. That being said, Pokemon Violet, dope. Um, I do think this game is one of the more interesting cases of which version do you buy in that um, the Paradox Pokemon that are at the end of the game, which are future and past versions of Pokemon, each one has different ones, and they're very different in terms of the aesthetics. So you'll want to look into them and find out which ones you want because one of the bummers of having Violet is I like most of the Paradox forms, but the Donphan Paradox form you get in Violet sucks. It's this weird robot thing that doesn't look cool. The the version of uh, Dawn fan that you get in Scarlet Dom is like a mammoth, and it's really cool because it's the, the past version of it. So, yeah, that's the one bummer. But obviously, I can trade and get my hands on it. I think if I have friends who have sold in Scarlet, so we're going to trade back and forth. But that's my number nine um, for Game of the Year 2022. Pokemon just did work this year. Um, yeah, there's some, some hiccups, but... And it feels like they just are absolutely carrying the load. It's also it's weird that we haven't gotten a follow-up announcement since Detective Pikachu in terms of a live-action movie. I think it was such a hit. It's this very weird to me. And part of me wonders if with Ash and Pikachu no longer being in the anime anymore, the, the, the cartoon, maybe now is the time when they send that to live-action, you know? Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that, but they recently did a thing where it was like the last episode of for Ash. He finally became Pokemon champion and they kind of set him into 
the uh, sunset, and there, there's going to be a new lead, which is crazy because he's been the lead since 1996 or 8, whenever the anime started, Yeah, uh, which is crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. You're number nine, another mobile game. I guess I'd actually look it up. I was like, what the hell is this game? Point P? Yeah. What is this? Oh, man. It's cool, I found, though. I found this, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, actually. Incredibly simple. So, yeah, another mobile game. Um, unlike Diablo, you'll play this one vertically on your phone, um, which is, it just seems funny to me that, I don't know, we don't talk about mobile games that much. So I'm not like typically describing the mechanics, but um, the premise is basically you're just jumping upwards. And so you're, you're platforming upwards, um, kind of using a, a pull down mechanic on, on the screen, if that makes sense. So you're almost like a slingshot. So like you would pull down to like then launch your little guy upwards and a lot more nuance and, and details than that but it, it, it's still ultimately very simple um just jumping from platform to platform as you uh, advance up the screen kind of like i think you talked about a game called downwell a while ago uh, i've never played it but we did okay. discuss it yeah it's a pretty popular mobile game yeah where in that you're kind of going downwards um as far as i understand it um, Similar aesthetic, actually, too. That one's black and white mostly. This yeah. one's very colorful, but yep. a lot of the shapes are are similar. Yeah, so point, point P, yeah, very, and I'm not even sure if that's how you say it. That's how I've been in my head is point P. But yeah, very colorful and whimsical, cartoony um, kind of aesthetic. But yeah, surprisingly fun and addictive. Um, um, like, I don't know, it's been actually a couple of days since I touched it, but before that, it's been. Um, I've been spending like weeks um, just messing around with that during, you know, mobile game times, um, if you know what I mean. But yeah, had a, had a lot of fun with that. So yeah, two mobile games make the list this year, and I, and I don't want that to be under like they're they're good games. This is a uh, this is not like some gimped list or uh, anything like that. Well, if anything, like, I, they they it's impressive that they made lists because, like I said, we've never really had mobile games mm-hmm. on our list just because we're not in that space. So we're not just going to play a mobile game for the first time and then put it in our top 10. Like, oh, this is right. the first mobile game I've ever played. It's good, you know, so. And it was kind it, of it's ins- funny. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it was it was kind of inspired because, um, I don't know, a month or two ago, I started playing Monument Valley again, which I had um, bought a long time ago on iOS. Um, and just absolutely probably one of the best mobile games ever or, or will there ever will be either. Um, and so I was playing some more of that. That's how I ended up like um, browsing around and doing some searches and stuff like that and finding uh, Point P, weirdly enough. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, apparently I'm back into, not back into, but I'm in, I've been into mobile games more this year than really ever, probably. What is the thing called when people are like, is it the Mandela effect? When people remember the Bernstein Bears thing? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. Where you remember so, it differently than it was. Looking at the looking at point P, it's funny because I could totally see this being a Mandela effect Kirby because he looks like a green Kirby essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be like one of those weird things where you look back and you're like, that's not how I remember Kirby looking. <laughs> um, it looks fun though, it's very colorful. Is it? It's not time gated, right? Like some mobile games, no, I'm not. No, nothing like that. You know what I'm talking about though, right? It's like you can pay 199 or wait 15 minutes to get level 24 or whatever. Yeah, no, I've not hit anything like that. Thank God, yeah. Hey, man, just got to bring that up. I have a disdain for mobile games. Just, yeah, just want to know the that. full picture. Uh, next up, number eight. Another game I felt was kind of gypped at the Game Awards, Rogue Legacy 2. 
Oh. Um, and honestly, looking at my top 10 list, it was kind of, is Cult of the Lamb making it or is Rogue Legacy 2? Very mm-hmm. different games, but in that similar vein, I love this game. I actually haven't even beaten this game because uh, you get to some later parts where some of the bosses are pretty difficult. Um, I never had a chance to play the first Rogue Legacy because I was a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, thankfully, this one launched on Xbox. It didn't launch into Game Pass, um, but I was so interested in it because of the praises I'd heard from people on Podcast Beyond and just in the gaming space of the first game. I was like, oh, this is a Jared-ass game. I need to hop into it. It being like you know a 2D platforming roguelite. And I hopped in, absolutely loved it. I love the the humor in this. I think that's one thing that gets lost when people talk about it because the gameplay is so fluid. Um, the addictiveness of wanting to hop back in for another run and kind of chaining together, uh, figuring out what class you want to spawn as and all that stuff and getting your upgrades. But there's a lot of humor in it that is really funny, not just between like the bosses, but the little interactions you have between characters either at the hub or in, while you're doing a run. Um, I actually want to get back to it because I do want to beat this game and I love uh, the difference in the enemies from area to area. And uh, yeah, it definitely delivered. It's one of those cases where we talk about games we're hyped for and excited to play. And like I said, I heard so much about the first game. So I was like, oh, you know, 20 bucks at launch. I don't care. I'm going to buy it, which kind of fights against the notion of Xbox gamers only play games if they come into Xbox Game Pass. Oh, good game. People buy good games, man. If your game's good, they'll get it. Um, and it delivered was, on everything I expected. It was also only on Xbox. Um, I oh, think I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. I'm not sure how long the exclusivity lasted. I, it was like at least a month or two or three or something to that effect. So uh, maybe not on Game Pass, but like you were playing it other <laughs> elsewhere. Um, it was like, weird, PC right? That it was not Game Pass, but it was exclusive. Yeah, I, I right. forgot about that. It's a good point. It was one of those weird ones where like I got maybe they worked out some kind of deal where they got a brief window of exclusivity because i i know it's on switch now i'm not sure if it made it to playstation or not uh, this I is the game that i thought you would have liked why why did you not get to it, it just got lost in the backlog it didn't interest you because it seems like a dom game so i like you didn't play the first one but when this when the sequel came out yeah i was just i can't remember what it was at the time but something else it was probably when i was in the middle of kotor and just like didn't want to interrupt that <laughs> the, the sequence i had going on like you know, well, you came like, out in April. Was that near Horizon? Did you play that, Horizon? I don't remember. Yes, and that might have been because I Horizon. I want to say came out in like February. I thought it was March. March. I'm gonna check. Um, I'm gonna check. But I do know that I was like late getting to Horizon by a month or two. So this might add up. I might have been uh, came out mid February. Yeah. Okay. So that might have been what it was. Um, that or Knights of the Old Republic, like a bigger game where like. That keeps happening to me like you know when you're sometimes stuff gets it's hard to get into the first couple hours but then like once you get it going and you just you just knee deep and you're just feeling great and you just don't want anything to take you out of it um because you know it's going to be hard to get back into it kind of a situation so i'm trying to ride out things like that instead of getting distracted because oh i can get distracted so easily and want to jump on i have a hard time with that in any medium of like starting a new show or a new game it's like you're so hesitant, not that you're not interested, but it's just that weird, like, waffling about period. And then the mm-hmm. moment you get invested in it, you're, like, totally in. Yeah. Um, it's it's a weird thing with our dumb ape brains. Uh, yeah, but it got yeah. ported to Switch in November. It hasn't come okay. to PlayStation yet, which is very okay. weird. Oh, I thought that was a good call. I got one right. Um, one of the things, like, because I've, I've watched, like, a few reviews on it, too, um, as well. But I really like that mechanic where um, basically, like, I don't know what they're called, but like the, each run, 
um, that you play, you get like a different set of perks. Sometimes they're bad, but like sometimes they're really weird and impactful. Like you're just really big or like really small or like different things like that, where to me, it, it takes it a step beyond like what Hades did, where like you get different, um, you can pick a different weapon and you get different perks that like affect, uh, you know, attack or defense or speed or different things like that. But like, from my understanding, Rogue Legacy is you, your perks are just wild and, uh, and really obviously random, but just extremely affecting in, in appearance and size and all sorts of different goofy stuff. So like, I think that's fun. So I do want to get around to this one of these days. Well, and it's called Rogue Legacy because each time you die, it's your the next generation of people going to kind of finish the job. And some of the uh-huh. skills you can upgrade into in the upgrade tree, you can keep a certain class or perk like that pops up every time. So you're kind of okay. like, yeah, some of the stuff will be random. You can kind of control to at least, you know, you have one Start choice that's like affect the odds or whatever. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, to your point, there's a bunch of weird ones too. Like there's one where you just get a, a peace sign and you can't actually do any damage to enemies. So at that point you're like, well, is this a run where I'm going to make actual progress or is this just a run where I'm collecting gold to upgrade stuff? So. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cool intricacies yeah. in that. Your number eight is the game I started in 2022 and just dead stopped. And I can't, I can't give the excuse, unfortunately, of like, oh, I went to something else. I, it just hit me like a ton of bricks that I just was not interested in continuing in it. Not that I'm not going to get back to it and not that there's incredible, not incredible parts about it. But when I first started, and we'll, we'll get to it now, why Tunic's on your list, I the combat just wasn't great for me in the early game, which I is kind of a bummer. I don't think I gave it the benefit of the doubt. Um, and we're also coming off of the hills of like Death Store, which they're very different games in design. Obviously, they're not the same exactly. But there is some things they share in terms of like being an isometric Souls-like and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, just coming off of the high of Death's Door, I wasn't willing to give Tunic the benefit of the doubt, unfortunately, which is kind of a bummer. And I hope to get back to it. But, you know, you you played a lot more than I did. Why is it on your top 10? Yeah, so Tunic at 8 for me was... I'm actually with you. The combat was really tough to get into um, at, at first, for sure. It, yeah, like, it's different than Death Store, which was a bit more arcade-ish, a little faster. Um, similar style somehow, but it just... This was... Tunic is much more slow and methodical, but yet there's still a lot of enemies, and it's the same well, even the design, right, is like... Tunic is much more Zelda-like, whereas Death Store is much more isometric souls. Yeah. I think, in terms yeah. of the world design and everything. Um, and the thing that Tunic did the best, obviously, like, the instruction manuals are really cool. Like, that's cute, right? Um, like, a different... Best part about that game, and that's not a knock, that, that, that manual is incredible. I wish that was in every game. That thing's so sick. Yeah, like, that was just cool and, and kind of nostalgic and, and an interesting mechanic, ultimately. But... I actually think it's not the best thing because the best thing about the game is um, the way things are hidden and sometimes okay. the way it uses perspective to affect um, how you can or can't solve puzzles um, where, where stuff is. So I mentioned Monument Valley, which is kind of like to me the gold standard of um, using perspective to um, design uh, game puzzles, basically. Um, so in that game, like when you turn different objects on the screen or turn you know the side of the screen it's hard to explain but when you see it you'll know what i mean um but in games like this where it's not first person um and it's not even third person it's like you know way far back camera fixed angle from a um 
kind of perspective, uh, it's easy to hide things in, in clever little ways that are basically only hidden because of the perspective. Whereas like if you were that character in the game using your own two eyeballs, it wouldn't be hidden the same way. You would just be there. But because of the way the camera works, they're able to do clever things with that. So actually that's kind of like, to me, what was the the coolest thing about Tunic was the the way all the you know secret treasures and everything uh, were hidden. Thanks, Andy Cortez. Now apparently I'm saying treasures, um, but yeah, that that to me. And then like I really like the art style too. It's hard to not like the art style of Tunic. Um, oh yeah, the, like the voxel. So good. yeah, super cool. So yeah, Tunic was a fun guy. I actually haven't finished it all the way through either. So and I do and I I I will go back finish that one because I did enjoy it a lot. And, same thing. I'm, I'm now. I'm gonna try to remember back to what exactly pulled me away from it. Um, but yeah, Tunic was a lot of fun. And I think maybe it's the the Zelda ishness to it that maybe had you sticking with it longer than I did because you're much more connected to the Legend of Zelda as a franchise than I am. So I wonder if that maybe had some part in it as well. Next up, number seven, Vampire Survivors. Uh, this is video game crack. <laughs> it's uh, so good. I haven't completed this game yet. I don't think I, there's, that's even the point. I think it recently came to mobile, actually, too, because a lot of uh, pirates out there, ahoy, were uh, trying to copy it and put it on the shop. So they made sure to prioritize the port there, which is good for them. I hope they get all the revenue they deserve. Um, you know, we talked about this before on the podcast. At first glance, it looks like a really weird simplistic retro pc game like why would i this is my grandfather's video game why would i ever hop into this but then you you realize the mechanic of like oh i can't attack i can just move how is this fun oh when i kill enough enemies and collect enough um of the orbs i guess you'd call them you level up and then you get to pick your level up path and then it's (laughs) you figuring out okay which ones do i want to upgrade which ones work best towards my play style and then you learn about the ultimate upgrades for each of them where like they're going non-stop and uh, the enemies spawn at ridiculous rates, and it just becomes this flashing light spectacle on screen um, that is just so fun and addicting because you want to see how many enemies you can wipe out, how far you can go. There's a timer on screen. Um, when you get to the very end of a level, which is, I think, the 30-minute mark, uh, death spawns, and at first glance, you'd assume they're unkillable, and it's just the wipe of the match, and you just move on to the next level. But I've seen people coax the game in a way where you can actually survive with death on the map, which is pretty fun. And people finding out those like cheese strats of like, you know, object collision and all of that stuff, which is really fun. Yeah, it's it's a blast. There's tons of different characters to unlock that spawn uh, at the first level with different weapons. There's different upgrade paths. There's a whole lot to this game that you wouldn't expect from the first time you play it. And it slowly builds on itself, and it's totally the potato chip video game where I'll just have one more. Oh, I'll just do one more. Oh, I'll just do one more. And we look down, and it's been two and a half hours of you playing this very rudimentary <laughs> game, but it's it's a blast. I love Vampire Survivors. It's so good. I recently got DLC too, which is cool. Um, and yeah, you get you slap any like dark fantasy aesthetic on something I'm in. It's kind of like Loop Hero, which I also want to get back to. Um, just, I love the, you know, the berserk dark souls, dark fantasy aesthetic, and that kind of lent towards it as well. So love vampire survivors. Yeah. I want to try this out. I didn't know it came to mobile. So that's, uh, that's obviously makes it very accessible. So and I'm pretty sure it's to... still free. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, keep on 
Unsighted is your number seven, which is a game I oh. want to get to as well. I have, I think it was, it's in Game Pass. I have it downloaded. I haven't gotten to it yet. It dropped off of Game Pass, which I'm irritated about, but um, that's my own fault for not getting to it sooner and harder because oh, this game is really cool. Uh, first, like aesthetic and art style, it's this kind of post-apocalyptic-ish, I guess, cyberpunk sort of world. Very pixelated though, so like, um, you know. Like, it has a whole pixel art thing going on. Uh, similar, I guess, camera angle to Tunic, and we talked about Death Store too, where it's you know um, more from a top camera angle. But yeah, that that same kind of two D, you know, top down Zelda slash Souls like combat too. But um, mostly to me, it was the the music and the aesthetic, um, the art style, everything in that realm just really for some reason resonated with me i just i just like being in there um fighting robots and getting into shenanigans so like um yeah it was also another one and so this i do know i didn't finish because it dropped off a game pass i was halfway through it so um (laughs) i should probably actually just like fork over the i mean i can't imagine it's more than like 15 bucks or 20 bucks anyway but um yeah i really liked on site it's really cool I definitely recommend it. I can't wait to to get back to it finally. What is the name uh, in reference to in terms of the game? So let me double check. Um, I want to make sure I write about this before I say anything. This is an interesting name, Unsighted. And I was just curious as to if that had any, what the tie was to, is it like a mechanic in the game? Is it like the name of like an enemy? I am not sure. Now I'm wondering if there's just something I hadn't gotten to yet. Yeah, that could be the case as well. Because I'm like, like we're not. You're not the unsighted. You're not the chosen one. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure what was going on with the story for the most part. I can admit that, but um, yeah. Now I'm gonna have to figure this out though. I don't want to hold this up, but okay. Uh, next up, my number six. Uh. We're going to get into this little uh, collection of like narrative-driven games. Immortality is my number six. Mm-hmm. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, so I don't need to go too much into it, but it's really fun. It's on Game Pass. It's different than any game you've probably played before in terms of, I mean, unless you play like Telling Lies or some of the same games from the same developer. I'm talking, you know, general audiences have probably never played a game like this where you're scrubbing through lost film footage, you're clicking on objects, seeing how they tie to different scenes uh whether that's behind the scenes or during actual scenes of movies it you know focuses on a missing actress and the three unreleased films she was in and it twists and turns into something absolutely wild Uh, i love it in that way it's uh it's like if m night Shyamalan movies were as good as the trailers would lead you to believe they were you know (laughs) i'm a big m night Shyamalan guy like i'll be there for every one of his movies uh, some of them a lot better than others. I haven't gone to old yet, which I've heard is not great, which isn't surprising. And I, I'm very intrigued by Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, love Dave too. Bautista. Um, so yeah, but I'm, I'm saying in the best of ways, like the six senses of the world. Um, what's the one with the grandparents? The visit. The visit. Like I think those are probably his two best movies. I'm mm-hmm. probably forgetting something else too. The village, maybe. The village. The village M night. That's. Uh, yeah. So in the in the best of ways, there's some twists in this game where like I didn't even. That wasn't even a concept I perceived about what this game was going to be about, which is dope. And uh, 
the beauty of it too is that in terms of its artistic expression you get as much out of it as you want to so where i finished the game i could have totally gone back in and unlocked way more of the film footage because uh, i think i finished with like 70 percent of the total film footage where obviously you can finish with much more than that but it was enough for me to grasp the story and like i said when i finished the game I found my experience overall was worsened by the fact that I looked up like the specific explanations of what the game was about. Right. It didn't deteriorate my enjoyment of the game. Like they didn't, I wouldn't have had it at number three if I didn't watch exp explanations. I just think I did myself a disservice doing that, which is a rare case. Cause most of the time when I look up explanations, the things I don't fully understand, it kind of gives me a more well-rounded idea of it. But with this, I think I lost some of the artistry of what they were actually trying to do with it by doing that. I think the point isn't to understand everything. It's kind of like inside in that way. So, yeah. Immortality number six. Another one I want to get to. Um, probably, Speaking probably, of ones I want to get to, please don't spoil yours for me in your explanation of why you enjoyed it so much. Which is the quarry. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay, good point. Yeah, but, sorry. Yeah. What were you going to say real quick about immortality? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, just that's another one that uh, I'm really looking forward to. But I'm also, yeah, being careful of uh, not having it spoiled because uh, that seems to be a theme. That the yeah, there's the the twist, the way the twists work, I've had, like the way you explained it, like that's interesting. And I, but I'm also trying to be careful. So uh, next for me though, yeah, the quarry. Um, so this game, uh, I think it was around June or July. This came out um, unexpectedly because we also had another game from. Wow, I can't remember the name of the studio. Devil Inside? Uh, yeah, so we, we also had the Devil Inside come out in like the October time frame. Uh, a Dark Pictures Anthology by... Super. Why Massive. do I have Netherrealm in my head? That's not even close to right. What the hell is it? Is uh, it Supermassive or is that... I'm like... I'm, I'm looking it up real quick. Right. It is Supermassive. You nailed it. Yep. Okay, cool. But yeah, so because we knew they had another game in the Dark Pictures Anthology coming out towards the end of the year, this kind of came out of nowhere, um, especially as a $60 or $70, whatever it was, title. But yeah, it was everything I wanted. You know, tons of fun. Um, the characters were well acted and, and and that kind of thing. So obviously that's a good jump scare. The this, this story was, was better than probably every other of these super massive horror games except maybe until dawn that might have been a little bit more engaging uh story-wise but yeah all the characters were really well written and acted and it was a lot of fun obviously like different things it's, it would be hard for me to spoil this game for you to be honest because that, so many different things can happen depending on what you do but um yeah different kind of theme uh of, of uh horror tropes that we've seen thus far so i mean with until dawn it was kind of a cabin like winter cabin in the woods or uh you know the, the ski resort kind of place um with certain monsters and then we had all the different dark pictures mythology or uh, game dark pictures anthology games tackling a different horror theme um and this one was different as well plus it had one of the funniest lines that uh kept getting repeated by justice smith that just my wife and i still say to each other um every now and again because the is it a spoiler i'm curious to hear it it's just the hag of hackett's query which is <laughs> it's like it's what you think right it's a ghost story the characters are telling each other but then yeah. his character like keeps on repeating it in the same monotone way that like i don't know why it's just so funny to me um so anytime like anytime i get a chance to i like like want to use that alliteration there the hag of hackett's query but 
yeah, it was it was super fun. It's nothing that like is unexpected or new and you know crazy exciting and different. But if you're into the horror into horror games, it's it's definitely one to uh, to check out, especially with other people. I think it you know that always adds to it, and they're kind of designed that way, obviously. When it was Supermassive's first real like AAA ish horror game since Until Dawn, because you know Dark Pictures anthology is very hit or miss with people, and even the best versions of those aren't as high quality as Until Dawn, right? I'm not misspeaking mm-hmm. that way. So it's good to see that this met your expectations. I'm excited to get to it. I just didn't have time to get around to it. So hopefully I have time for it this year because I don't. I definitely want to play. I loved Until Dawn. So next up, uh, probably my hardest sell to anybody on my list, which is Citizen Sleeper. Um, Citizen Sleeper is very much a text-based dialogue sci-fi game. Um, it's very much in terms of its story focuses on colonists on this planet and how human relationships and the cost of human lives come into perspective when dealing with resources and, you know, a lot of the sci-fi tropes you've probably thought of before, but what made this game special is the people you meet and the interactions you have. Like, they're specifically this fodder, fodder? Father and little girl, which, you know, Lone Wolf and Cub, you give me a story like that, it's gonna, I'm going to tear jerk, you know, Mandalorian, Last of Us, Logan, the list goes on and on and on. Um, yeah, you talking to the dad and, and the little kid and the dad just wanting to find a job where he can provide for his little girl, but he's unsure if they're even going to make it past the next couple of months because he can't even afford to feed her. And you having to make deals with people that kind of, put other people's lives in jeopardy it's a really dope game if you're into like the heady sci-fi stuff i i'd recommend it to anybody it's just a hard sell for people who are looking for a traditional gaming experience because it's a lot of dialogue reading there is gameplay elements to it for sure but you never move around like it's you clicking on different areas and then there's gameplay stuff that are more puzzle based um so it's it's not as traditional as a video game can come but if you want like a really dope sci-fi narrative that pulls at your heartstrings and you're not afraid to read more than most people do past high school, uh, I definitely suggest Citizen Sleeper to people. It's, it's dope. And I believe it also launched in the Game Pass. I don't know if it's still there or not, uh, but it, it's, it's really good. And I think the art in it is, is dope too. It helps guide uh, a lot of the emotion because a lot of the images of these characters like I talked about is, you know, it's very good at painting a picture that you can get from the words, but it doesn't make your imagination do a lot of the heavy lifting uh, most of the time, which is good too. So. Interesting. Didn't I didn't see that coming. I wanted to go look into this a little bit more, but interesting. Uh, I'm going to jump in a very different direction. Well, maybe not entirely, but uh, next on my list is the Lego Skywalker Saga. A game I own, just haven't got to. <laughs> yeah, so... This is everything you think it will be for the best, right? So I've actually, like, I remember earlier this year looking back at some gameplay footage of the, you know, older Lego Star Wars games, and they're different than I remember. They're way more simple than I remember them to be, the older ones. And so getting into the Skywalker saga that is obviously so... uh, basically all nine Skywalker films are kind of represented um, through different stories uh, in this game. You kind of play through each movie and the, the polish and the depth of everything. And even like the complexity of the gameplay is all like how I remembered these Lego, these Lego star Wars games to be 
um and it's just really nice it's just it's it's just a fun way to go back and just explore obviously nine movies i really really love in a different kind of way uh, obviously a lot more comedy way more lighthearted, all that kind of good stuff on um, the way they take certain scenes that i've seen hundreds of times and then flip them on their heads and do something hilarious is it's like it's weird it, it could I, I could totally understand if some people it just didn't work for and they just like they just roll their eyes at it but the comedy in this game just just really works for me and all the yeah but at that it, point why are they buying a lego star wars game if you you're gonna be that jaded yeah. just go watch the movies like come on now yeah you know what you're getting in. you should know what you're getting into here it shouldn't be a surprise but but yeah so um yeah it's just it just was a ton of fun and e- like so easy going like this is not a from software game that i'm like clenching the controller sweating um kind of a thing trying to overcome some crazy obstacle no this is like lay back chill out and just mess around with <laughs> even of course it's always fun to like pull different characters from timelines that they don't belong in right like play as the mandalorian in the prequels doesn't make any sense but you can certainly do it in, in this game or any other weird combination you can think of like um it is doable here and it's just that the gameplay i think they i think it was good they made the right decision to to really expand upon it um all the combat is um, a little bit different camera angle than than they used to have so it's a little more zoomed in a little more third person action compared to like the top-down fixed camera uh lego games of old so yeah there's nothing like i can say to surprise anyone about this game but except to confirm like it's what you want Uh, it's it's a whole ton of star wars that's what else i mentioned all nine movies but it's like hundreds of different characters you can play as and it's just a whole lot of star wars packed into one game which is i think it's pretty cool so the the quality and polish and scope of this game i really hope leads them to do the same treatment uh with like lord of the rings and marvel in that mm-hmm. they already have those lego games uh but just put it in a package that's much more triple a quality uh and more modern in that way so here's hoping Next up, number four, speaking of Marvel, Marvel Snap. Uh, it's my one mobile game on this list. Uh, you know, Vampire Survivors was, was a video game crack, so is this. Having a blast with it. I, I absolutely love the Marvel Universe of being able to have any opportunity to hop back in, especially in the recent months of hearing that Marvel's Avengers is going to be shutting down permanently, which is a bummer. Um, at least we have Marvel Spider-Man 2 at the end of the year, which is good. But yeah, Marvel Snap is really fun. It's an engaging card game. It's actually taken over my time from Magic the Gathering Arena. I only have so much time for like deck building games. And with this, with the matches being two to three minutes long, being able to hop in, hop out, getting the different art, um, it's, it's just a blast. I love how they designed the game and that when you play a card down, there's voice lines, the characters feel like themselves, the interactions between the cards is very clever and that you learn strategies that um, kind of work together and synergize and you can build specific decks in certain ways. And a lot of times they're smart enough as designers to make characters you think should synergize, synergize, uh, which is really dope. Um, and yeah, I, I absolutely love Marvel Snap. It's a game I'm probably going to be playing for a long time. And I love that every new season is like a new theme. Like they had the Galactic theme with Silver Surfer and Galactus. And then recently they had the Savage Lands, uh, which may not be popular for everybody. I'm not even a huge Savage, Savage Lands guy, but it's something different enough. Um, and I'm excited to see what comes next. And they've been done a good job of lining up these seasons with 
real world releases of stuff. So I'm assuming the next season is going to be Ant Man, uh, Quantum Mania, and Kang focused on because mm, sure. uh, during when Black Panther two came out, it was the Black Panther season. So they're pretty good at that stuff. And if they can time that up, that's like printing money at that point. So yeah, loving Marvel Snap. Hopefully I uh, play a bunch of it this year because I'm still addicted to it. Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, to be fourth on the list is that's for a mobile game. That feels wrong to say it like that for a mobile game. Mobile games can be <laughs> for great. a mobile game. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then you hear like Marvel. It's like okay, I kind of get it with Jared. It's like he loves Marvel, and I also love card games. So even though it's Marvel, if it was a ass card game, I wouldn't have had it this high. Even if it was a Marvel, you know what I mean? It's just like it combines one of my favorite brands with uh, a game genre I enjoy. And if you nail both of those, you you got me, man. I'm sold. And I'm. I'm walking back actually a little bit. I don't think it is. It is. That's really impressive that a mobile game was able to get up to fourth on your list. And a lot of other people really love this game too. So you're not an outlier, I don't think. But you're working with smaller, less powerful device with way less inputs possible. So it's just naturally more of a challenge to make a good game on a mobile device. So it's more impressive when they're able to do it in a way that. I don't think I'm weird for saying it like that. Now that I anyway, and, but the thing going in though is like the pedigree was there. It's made by the guy who made Hearthstone, so it's right. like there you go. It's not a surprise that he made something that people dig. Obviously, mm-hmm. Hearthstone got away with microtransactions, and it's been going down a dark hole since then. But yeah, the pedigree was there. You're number four. Speaking of pedigree, yeah. they say that in breeding and stuff. Stray. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Stray was an awesome game, and. Well, I'm with you that I was a bit shocked to see it, uh, you know, so high in a lot of the game awards categories for nominations. Um, I did really, really like this game a lot. Um, definitely the best game where you play as a cat ever. I feel safe in making that declaration. And a lot of the, uh, so I guess, yeah, third person puzzle adventure cat game is, I guess, how you would describe Stray. Super super well polished everything looks really nice the world is um completely void of humans or really any other um bio well no there's other there's other cats so never mind there's some biological people but it's mostly robots that you're interacting with and these robots have kind of like formed a civilization underground ish or under this there's no sunlight basically you're kind of trapped under this whole civilization i don't even know it's like weird um but yeah, they have their own like class systems and different communities uh, of robots, and it's so bizarre. And ultimately, you're trying to escape and get back to your cat friends, and you got to solve a lot of puzzles and move through a lot of different environments to do that and interact with different robots. Some are nicer than others. Um, I think one thing that always stuck out it st- stood out to me is you get to this one city really of robots, and they have. You know, they have they have cops and they have a nightclub that you have to, you know, sneak through and do all sorts of goofy stuff. But yeah, all the puzzles, the gameplay around it, everything was just really well done. The exploration was a lot of fun to be in that world and do cat stuff. All the, like if there's like a thing that you perceive as a as something cats do or like cats have a certain attribute, it is explored here. You will do the that cat thing and probably you will do it a lot. Um, and it's I'm not even a cat person, I'm the dog person, but this game just I don't know. It was fun. It was really cool and, and creative and in the way it, you know, literally had you as a cat. So Also, any game with a Garfield Garfield mod automatic go to contender. 
I love that people that made point. a moderate. You can. It's basically the the Garfield skin on the cat, which is hilarious. I don't even think I saw um, that, but now I gotta go look that up because that sounds funny. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, they they did like the whole thing where it was Garfield as the main cat, and then some of the side cats were other Garfield characters. Really good stuff. Uh, next up, you know, this may be a bit of a spoiler, but for the top two games for both of us, we're probably not going to talk a lot about them because I want to point you towards our spoiler cast for those games. Yeah. So our our threes are probably going to be the last like major conversation we have for our games. And for me, number three is Pentiment. Um, I've waxed poetic about this game, but you know, when I finished it, so I don't want to go too much into it. But yeah, Obsidian Entertainment delivered once again. It isn't the traditional uh, Western RPG you'd expect from them or want from them necessarily. It's a 2D scroller with a beautiful, authentic art style towards the history in which it's trying to portray. Uh, it's a murder mystery in that way. So if you've dug like Glass Onion or Knives Out or those type of things, uh, this is definitely in your wheelhouse. It has the the dialogue and conversations and kind of putting together that you'd expect from a Basidian RPG. Um, I suggest it to anybody. There's some abstract parts of it in terms of uh, discussions about religion and how that plays a major role in people's lives and, you know, conversations of whether or not you should let your religious beliefs dictate certain aspects of your life, which I think is are really neat conversations, especially in the time period where, depending on who you talk to, that could uh, result in you getting killed for being, yeah. you know, a witch. Uh, so I, there's there's a lot of things in that game that I think are special. Um, you know, I can't wait to get to Hi-Fi Rush from Tango Gameworks, but it is one of those examples of Game Pass being great because we do get these smaller scale games that are just as dope. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that Obsidian just continues to deliver. And the worst, the worst thing about Pentiment is it makes me want Avowed and whatever Fable or, or it's not Fable, sorry, whatever Outer. Fallout or whatever they're working on to come so much sooner because it just it's like a, an appetizer for what Obsidian's capable of. But goddamn, it's an appetizer I'd order every single time I came to the Obsidian <laughs> restaurant. I loved Pentiment. Nice. Yeah, this one, um, because of how much you've talked about it, I, I do want to get to this eventually, too. Because um, especially, yeah, if you're coming from Obsidian and, you know, knowing that, you know, a lot of the people from New Vegas or, you know, the director there, like, I don't know, this, even though it's not necessarily the, the style uh, gameplay that I would pick, um, I think everything else it has going for it, it sounds like. It, it would be in my wheelhouse, so yeah. Yeah, me I, neither. I, I wouldn't expect this game it. to be number three on my list, especially yeah. for it being a side-scrolling RPG. I would never expected that. All right, my three is um, I thought about this uh, and it it almost ended up at four, and but it very well could have ended up at, at two if uh, some things had changed. But three for me was Horizon Forbidden West, which this was a good year for large. Um, action games and RPGs and action RPGs and everything in between and open world games and all that. So Horizon Forbidden West, to me, I guess I'll start by saying I felt like uh, the tiniest bit of fatigue from the world just because of the size of it. Sorry? Oh, sorry. You're talking about the size of the world. I thought you were talking about like sequelitis type fatigue. Yeah, it's... And I think I got that sequelitis because of the size of the world. I think that was that kind of played into it, where it, the size of the world and the length of the game and how much happens. It's it's like a long game. The story takes a while to progress. Um, and even when like oh yeah, all the characters and their their writing and their performances are really knocking it out of the park, especially 
um, especially for Aloy with um, Ashley Birch. Uh, she does a good job. But um, yeah, it was a little bit like the world mostly looks the same as it did first time around. And the combat is at like really, really damn good. Really damn good. Um, but it's not super different than it was in the first game either. Um, I think the exploration is probably a bit better. Um, it's easier to climb different places and go into different valleys and caverns and all sorts of different stuff like that. So like, there's definitely a lot of improvements. Um, but I did feel the tiniest bit of fatigue. But I know, like, obviously, like what's good is just so many damn things. Like, there, there are, there are many new uh, robot animals that robot dinosaurs that you have to contend with and this time around like the, the one that kind of sticks out is the giant um elephant um or more like a mammoth um, that thing is just an absolute monster and it's like thrilling really all the bigger monsters um uh, or machines rather in this game are always just a thrill to fight especially when it's kind of when there's a whole quest built around hunting one of them down like that to me is where the where the game shines so it's almost like it makes me uh, curious, like what some of the spinoff stuff that multiplayer game um, that we've talked about um, in this universe is going to look like, because um, I think there's potential there for like to me that was one of the bigger highlights of of Zero Dawn and Forbidden West was kind of going on the big monster hunt. So <clears throat> we'll see what that looks like. But yeah, this it's just the, I don't know the, the story overall in Forbidden West gets real weird and some specifics around how weird it gets especially at the end in a good way or like a confusing way not confusing it makes sense it's not um and i'm very susceptible to weird abstract sci-fi plots kind of like losing it for me and i completely okay get detached like that movie with natalie portman and oscar annihilation annihilation where like it was a cool movie but like by the end of it i was just like i didn't know what was happening or why because it just got too it got too abstract for me and I just, so I'm susceptible to losing the plot on things like that. But Forbidden West got weird. It's never confusing, but it, there's some specific choices that I'm like, oh, oh, that's, that's weird. That's maybe a little too weird. But most of it though is like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad that they're going with that direction on this. Um, and I'm obviously avoiding spoilers here, but um they definitely go in some weird directions. They really deep, like, full-on dive into the sci-fi, uh, more so than the first game ever did. And I think for the most for, for the most part, it works really well. There's, like, one specific choice at the end that I'm like, okay, sure, why not? Um, and you know, one, day I'll, one day I'll have to probably just tell you if you ever play the game or, or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, overall, like, every, like, this game just does so much right. Like it, I'm nitpicking here, especially because one and two are just like so incredibly good on our list. So it's, it, it feels wrong to even like try to justify how this only got to three because this, and in and, and many other years, Forbidden West would have been um, an easy number one. Right. Um, and just so much work and care obviously went into this game. It just does so much so well. And, Mostly like, yeah, exploring is fun. The combat is incredibly fun and addictive and satisfying. The The story is really great. The characters are great. Um, it just does so many things. And it's it's still it's still a more unique and different video game world than what most games are, right? So I, it, even though it's I felt a little fatigue on it, um, 
it's still incredibly creative and cool. So, but yeah, Forbidden West, man, it was a journey. A journey to the West. Uh, are you excited for the DLC? Yes. Oh, yeah, very much. Uh, going to um, Hollywood. Yeah, Los Angeles. Because, yeah, you go to uh, San Francisco and, um, oh, man, and there's some things. Um, shoot, that's right. You go to a lot of different places in Forbidden West. That uh, so, I, so there actually that is another good point of where where it um, excels beyond what Forbidden or Zero Dawn um, did. I don't like the subtitles. For these. Confusing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it makes it hard to talk about. But anyway, I guess it's better than Horizon and Horizon Two. So. You just got to refer to him as what H Z D and H. FW, I guess. <laughs> Especially when there's now there's DLCs that get their own subtitles. There's a VR game that has its own subtitle, and so when it's hard to know just by title, like which is the proper sequel, which or proper entry in the series, and which is the the spinoff. So let's say the VR is Call of the Mountain. Yeah. This DLC is Burning Shores, and I know the first DLC was Frozen Tundra, Frozen something, Frozen Wilds. Frozen Wilds, because I knew there was parallel between the two DLCs. One is Frozen and one's Burning. Oh, that's a good point. I never caught that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Wow, how did that um, never connect? Huh. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, so, number... Uh, it's no spoiler now. Uh, the two games left on both of our lists are God of War, Ragnarok, and Elden Ring. Um, I think the, the interesting thing here is to just... I think we should uh, explain why one was over the other for us. Because... Uh, like I said, we already have an Elden Ring spoiler cast up on both the podcast feed and the YouTube channel. So if you want to hear our, our deep thoughts about Elden Ring, definitely check that out. And our God of War Ragnarok spoiler cast is going up in the next couple of weeks. So if you want to hear our extended thoughts on those games and why they're so special to us, look at the spoiler cast. So I want us to just really focus on why we chose one over the other. Real quick, Dom, uh, you know, uh, what's your 2-1? And I'll tell you my 2-1 real quick. So my 2 is God of War, and then my 1 is Elden Ring. Would you be surprised at exactly what mine is? <laughs> yeah, that's what I expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it would have been shocking if I think God, I had God of War at one over Elden Ring. I think I, out of the two of us, I think you would have been, most people would have assumed you would be the one that could possibly have God of War at one over me, I think. And I almost, as I was sending you this list, I almost switched them. But then I stopped myself and decided, no, that's recency bias because we had just done the God of War spoiler cast and we're kind of really yeah. talking up the story and pointing things out to each other. And I, I think that I was letting that affect um, my opinion as separate from like my experience itself uh, either with the game. So I held with what I had previously thought through most of the year. Like, I think I did like Elden Ring better for me. I, I think they're both tens. I think they're both yeah. great games. Um, oh, yeah. For me, I think the reason I put Elden Ring above it is honestly, I was thinking about this back in 2017, a lot of people had Breath of the Wild at 1, and they had Odyssey at 2, for the most part. I mean, some people had Horizon at 2, don't get me wrong. But, you know, a lot of people ended up having, at the very least, some people had that. And for me, I ended up having Odyssey number 1. Uh, and a lot of that was, I just didn't vibe with Breath of the Wild and the way people talked about the open world and how it connected with them and all of these things. I just didn't feel that. So I went with Odyssey over that which is a much more linear experience that I've had it before, but it was, it was, you know, it was brilliant in its construction. I'm kind of on that path with this in the way people were with breath of the wild in that for me, the open world game that felt like exploration was invited where there was new surprises around every corner where it felt like it just kept going. And 
there was so much to uncover and there was so much to check out and try. And despite it being labeled as it's an open world FromSoft game, they tried so many unique different things we haven't had in a From game, like riding a horse or, you know, uh, was this the first From game with jumping? Yes. You know, uh, post Dark Souls, because obviously they made older games, but post Dark Uh, Souls is Sekiro, you could jump. Sekiro had jumping. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so for, so for me, Elden Ring edge, edged it out there. Uh, we talked about, obviously, on the spoiler cast, go listen to it for both of these games, but specifically for God of War Ragnarok, how emotionally impactful that narrative was. But I even get into that podcast about how there was some slight nitpicks about, like, why can't you interact with the real tier during the story and some other stuff we go into. I don't want to spoil too much. But, like, that in and of itself, it's like... I with these two games I had to find the smallest things to differentiate the two and as an overall experience I found less things to criticize without the ring not to say it's it's perfect by any means but it just edged out slightly and yeah I I'm actually getting the itch to go back and play Elden Ring again know, but I'm dude. fighting that temptation because I I know that that'll take so much time away from playing other stuff I just can't do it at this point which speaks to that game you know yeah like as you were talking I had that same like pull of like Am I about to start a new Elden Ring game? And I'm like, no, no, I cannot, I cannot do that. I think I spent like ninety some hours, the, like in the first playthrough. It's an enormous game, and man, did those ninety hours just like blink by though? Like absolute bliss playing Elden Ring. Something about it. Even I could even actually say that the story and the performances and you know the characters in, in Ragnarok were is better to me. Um, the way it's told, I think it's obviously told in a more accessible fashion, you know, with freaking words, <laughs> um, dialogue. Um, well, and like scenes where in like progressive yeah. narrative and all that stuff. Yeah. Very cinematic in its storytelling. Um, and the, the story itself is just so good. And I, I think like if you had to. But is there um, a moment in God of War as a dope as Godric going and putting his hand in a yeah. dragon's body and ripping exactly. off the head to be his hand? Like, come so on, many- now there's some metal shit in Elden Ring. There's and there's like at least ten more of moments just like that in Elden Ring that like are just not comparable to to anything really. So like even if yeah, I could say like if I'm looking just at story, then I give the nod to to God of War. But overall, there's just the way Elden Ring just absolutely sucks you into its world without even like without doing that much, without like telling you, oh here's this and here's that and here's how to do this and like. Here's this fun thing you can do. It just the way it just puts you there, you know, much like Breath of, Breath of the Wild, and says, "Good luck." And yet, you're still somehow it it still pulls you into all these different places, and like the 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 way it compels you to explore is just so well done, and it's it's hard to explain, and I don't know how exactly they do it, but it like even when I, to me it was Breath of the Wild, just but even more like even did a better job of making you want to explore every last little bit even though it's enormous and it just keeps getting bigger and it's blowing your mind like there's a whole other area and then the map you know takes a step back and you're like wow okay that was only one part of this game um and then you do that three more times but man and then you're right then there's that just metal shit of uh you know a, a guy rips his specter lion attachment off his own back and then becomes a street fighter character yeah (laughs) and then screams i am horalu and then just one of the most frenetic and insane boss fights ever follows and it's just exhilarating 
or you know you're literally uh, a, a whole character who's a ceramic pot you know twice your size sitting in a pool of lava just going this is really hot and just like i don't know so the, the characters that do exist and the way they interact with you is is so unique and cool and and really all the from software games and elephant ring is certainly no exception and then you get into things like um fighting i'd actually even almost count the, the melania fight almost as a con because it's just so cheap like I didn't love that mechanic in that specific fight where she heals herself as she, you know, does a 50 move combo at the, you know, speed of light. But anyway, um, all the different air, like environments in Elden Ring are just so creative and different too. Whereas that's another good one of its of an advantage over Ragnarok, where a lot of the um, realms you travel to you've seen before just in the last game. Whereas in Elden Ring, it's like. Not only is it brand new places, but each one is so different um, than the last, and it fits in so well. And I think it's anytime you play a game for you know a hundred hours, uh, and you never felt forced to, and it just went by fast. Like I think that alone says it all. That Elden Ring just pulls you in and just doesn't ever let you go. Yeah, and and you know the funny thing is, I think the way they inflict emotion in the player is different too, where. I would describe Elden Ring as your parents taking you to Disney World, where like your your eyes just can't get any wider. Like you just want to go and explore and check out everything. Whereas with like God of War, the emotions are much more like internalized extremes. Yeah. I mean, for me, honestly, the the Brock stuff is as emotionally impactful uh, an experience I've had in games since like The Last of Us opening. You know, like. Just that whole thing with how it, you know, changes uh, Sindri. And like I said, go to our spoiler cast because we go in depth about that entire thing and how he gets affected and the riddles and everything. We have a really cool, like, 15, 20 minute discussion just on Brock and Sindri and how it relates to the God of War narrative overall. But yeah, this is a close race. I think it's really dope that we we, uh, give uh, Game of the Year to Psychonauts 2. In 2021, and then yeah. you give Game of the Year to uh, Elden Ring in 2022, which are very polar in terms of the their art and their expression and what they're delivering. But yeah, yeah. how fun was Psychonauts? Though, what a good game! I recently downloaded because I want to go do some achievement hunting uh, in it because I just want to. It's just one of those very whimsical, childlike worlds that you don't get too often in games. So I just want to go in there just to, like vibe with it for a bit, um, just for like a palate cleanser because. Games can be heavy, man. TV can be heavy. Um, real quick, uh, one thing. I don't know if you have anything prepared, but I wanted to mention, uh, you know, I was thinking, what's my favorite game I played in 2022 that didn't come out that year? And I have a three-way tie for different reasons. Uh, Bug Snacks, I finally got to, finally. Oh, yeah. um, obviously, not a 10 out of 10, but I, it's a really weird take on a Pokemon game, which I loved. Um and then the two narrative ones, which were A Plague Tale Innocence, which I still need to get to Requiem, uh, which I really enjoyed. Amicia! And uh, probably the, my, my favorite game I played last year, Life is Strange True Colors. I really dug oh, that game. Nice. That's right. Yeah. And they, you know, we're getting teases of the next game from those developers, so I can't wait to see what's next. But yeah, those are my three. You have one off the top of your head? Yeah, the one that comes to mind first that I, I always like to mention is Visage. It, it actually oh the uh, horror game yeah <laughs> that might have came out in 2020 i'm not entirely sure but i played it this year and oh man the most hardcore of horror games not because it's just overly 
gory or grotesque or anything like that but just uh in both its like its mechanics are like really difficult um you know how to solve the puzzles it's like if the puzzles in resident evil were made for someone 10 times smarter um that's but some of them too actually is a negative because it's like you couldn't have known that this thing would connect with that thing to solve this puzzle so some of it it gets it gets too hard but um just i've never felt more stressed out and anxious playing a game than playing visage it just absolutely crawls down your throat and just makes you feel uncomfortable and anxious for extended period of time and obviously that's not for everyone but apparently the way i fell in love with that game is watching five or four friends played on youtube together with one of them controlling it and the other three terrorizing him and it's so funny if you haven't had a chance go to youtube and look up scary game squad visage playthrough you're gonna die laughing it's so funny and then obviously i've talked a bunch about uh, knights of the old republic super old game that i played this year that i really liked um doom eternal so yeah there's a there's a handful of games that um you know from previous years that i got to this year but i think visage was kind of the one that i really wanted to point out because it's a little lesser known and and i love horror um so i'm I'm always down with that probably my favorite shoot can i say this is it my favorite horror game i've ever played i'll have to think about that before i declare it properly (laughs) give me some time no official response here yeah um I track a lot of stuff for myself because I'm a weirdo like that. So I actually have, uh, last year I, I played 33 new games and I completed 17 of them. So I completed 17 new games. Uh, so seven didn't make my list. Uh, and then I completed three 2022 games this year so that they were in my list. Obviously like Violet, I didn't complete until the beginning of this year. Um, so I just wanted to mention that was interesting that, uh, 50% completion rate, which I think is good for video games because you don't need to be committed to something just because you start it. If you don't like it, if you're not vibing with it, if something else comes out, move on. Don't. Life is too short. Don't worry about it too much. And um, that's what Game Pass allows too, where like exactly. you aren't invested financially. Like you didn't spend $60. Tunic. Something. Yeah. Tunic was one where I downloaded on Game Pass, checked it out, played it for a bit, and I was like, you know, I, I just can't. Got to move on. And yeah, being on Game Pass made it a lot easier where I didn't have that financial commitment. Um what was I going to say? Oh, in terms of what we've been playing, we can get to that next week because we've run a little long this week. Uh, but I wanted to mention Last of Us in terms of the television show. The plan is is that when the season's done, we're going to do a spoiler cast. I don't know if it's just going to be me and Dom or if we're going to have a guest. But the way I want to structure the spoiler cast is we'll go episode by episode talking about how we liked it, how it relates to the game, and all that stuff. So look forward to that. So I kind of want to hold our thoughts on the episode by episode basis uh, until the season is finished and we can do a, a pretty meaty spoiler cast about it. Yeah, other than that, I'm looking forward to playing Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, I got a code for uh, SpongeBob the Cosmic Shake, which is like the huh. spiritual nice. successor to Bikini Bottom. Or not Bikini, what is the... What ba- is it called? Battle for Bikini Bottom? Battle for Bikini Bottom, which came out two years ago, I think, at this point. I think two years. Um, that, uh, Was it not a remaster of a game that came out in like 2005? No, yeah, it, it's a remake. I'm saying oh, I don't okay. know if it came out last year or if it came... Yeah, sorry, that was a bit unclear. Thank you for right. clarifying. Yeah, it didn't come out for the first time uh, last year, two years ago. Uh, so yeah, I'm not expecting much from that. I just want a fun 3D SpongeBob platformer. I don't expect anything crazy. Yeah, just waiting for games. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm not getting Hogwarts Legacy. I've, I'm kind of... That's where I'm landing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the same. Whatever... <laughs> And I'm going to just be open about it because like, yeah, when there's an easy moral victory to have, uh, like, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, right. Cause 
yeah, we don't even need to explain ourselves. Honestly, it's like, yeah, yeah. We, we don't feel like buying it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know why. We don't have to explain why. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm not going to try to like pretend like I, I am so virtuous and am taking some great stand when, when in reality, like I've never been too attached to Harry Potter. So it's easier for me to, to make that stand than it might be for some others. So I, I understand. Yeah. That. Yeah. But I think that that's kind of the trap that I think people that bad faith people want want us to feel is that like just because you're making this moral victory doesn't mean you're innocent. And yeah, that's not what anybody's trying to do. It's like sure. when you have an opportunity and you want to do something, then do it like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it just a lot of people project that stuff of like, why are you making one decision when you don't make all of them? Might as well just not make any of them because I don't make any of them. It's that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. To make people feel bad for doing that. And fuck it. Who, shut up. <laughs> that stuff irritates me. Of like, oh, you're just taking a moral victory. It's like, if you see it that way, I guess, dude, whatever. <laughs> go play Go play your your uh, wizard game. I don't care. Um, this is a personal thing, you know. Uh, I'm assuming you're just going to be sticking to KOTOR until... Atomic yeah. Heart, I think, is the next thing we're both hopping into, for sure. Oh, that's right, because that's a Game Pass game, right? February 20th, I think, Game Pass, yeah. Ooh, coming up. Okay, yeah, I'll be down for that. I've, I've watched, uh, they put out a, a trailer recently that looked pretty cool. Weird, it's different. I'm into it. First person makes me feel how, uh, you know, Bioshock kind of did. Um, it's like weird genre bending weirdness. I don't know. Yeah, let's see how it goes. I hope it has some really cool thematic perspectives on russia and it's not yeah propaganda in some aspects of it like i don't know how that studio has like what their relationship is to russia and i'm very curious to see because that can go one of two ways where it's like oh this is dope commentary on you know russians and their perspective on their country is like yikes this is a little too pro-russia for me you know what i mean so we'll we'll see so weird though i can't wait to see how how weird it, it actually gets that's it for this week's show. Next week, we return to normal. We're going to be talking about quickie news. We're going to be talking about whatever topic pops up. We'll see what happens. And uh, get back to the normal schedule of things with everything out of the way. we got our predictions out of the way, our Fantasy Critics League. By by the way, 20 points of Dead Space remake. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Man, I knew it would um, be good, but that's really it blew the doors off. Good pick. Yeah, and if rumors are true, we might be discussing a potential Nintendo Direct next week. So we'll see oh, what happens there. Yeah. It's supposed to come out the 9th, which would be a week from the day we're recording this, which is the 2nd. So we'll see what happens. Catch you guys next week. Check out the spoiler cast for Elden Ring. That's already up. Check out the God of War spoiler cast coming in the next couple of weeks. As always, Twitter, controlled interest, CTRL, INT, it's controlled interest, abbreviated. Individually, you can follow us at OBDomKenobi. The O and OB is the number zero, not the letter O. That's for Dom. For me, you can follow at Jared Weich, J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. YouTube, search controlled interest will pop right up. Subscribe so you never miss an episode like the video to help us in the algorithm comment. Let us know what your game of the year was. And if you had a difficult decision like we did between God of war and Elden ring, what gave you the, uh, the leaning favor for one over the other. And maybe you couldn't choose. Maybe they're equal game of the year for you. Who knows? That's perfectly okay as well. Anyways, we'll catch you guys next time with the regular episode. See you then.